The rightful pursuit of truth. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of men. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country, it is a free country. The first person to speak in court always seems right until his opponent begins to question him. We should hold on to this profound wisdom, which is the foundation of the right to examine witnesses. It is found in the good book at Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 17. The capacity to test evidence, probe assertions and put forward counter-propositions is the civilised objective method by which we seek to find the truth. Perfect it is not, but is still the fairest and the best route to truth, for the finding of facts, be it scientific or legal, or the examination of history. In a former life as a lawyer, this was often found to be the case. Horrid allegations or strong emphatic denials made in the office collapsed under examination by prosecutors or opposing counsel. Many examples spring to mind from criminal, civil, child protection, road accidents and other areas of personal interactions which required a judicial determination. That is why personally cross-examining clients in the office was conducted to test the assertions made and avoid wasting the court's time and to provide a taste of what might be expected. The right to examine an accuser is fundamental if justice is to prevail. Natural justice demands the right to defend oneself and test the accusations made. We need to protect this right for all of us, yet this cornerstone of our highly sophisticated judicial system is regrettably being eroded. Too often in public discourse, we hear the plea that to test the assertion would be to re-traumatise the victim. This is a real issue to which we must be sensitive, but to be fair, we need to treat everyone the same. The accuser is not a victim, nor the accused a perpetrator, until the facts have been determined by an independent judicial body. Until such a demonstration is made, both accuser and accused must be treated with dignity and fairness. The notion that we need to believe the victim before their assertions are thoroughly tested does everyone a disservice. It suggests prejudgment, bias and favouritism. Real life experience shows that accusers can tell untruths as can the accused, albeit it is more often that the accused is found wanting. An unfortunate case which springs to mind relates to a woman's allegations against a man. Without retelling the details, a robust cross-examination exposed the multiple flaws in her accusations and finally led to her acknowledging the falsity of her claims. The mental anguish, alienation and sheer hell the accused suffer prior to his name being cleared was indescribable. The journey for the validated victim is undeniably similar. 
That is why both the accuser and the accused need to be treated equally with respect and fairness until the matter is resolved. In recent times, we have had commissions of inquiry or public pylons ruining people's lives before the facts are actually established. Allowing people to tell unchallenged stories is not necessarily an exercise in truth-telling. It's an exercise in storytelling, that's all. Only after verification and testing can we value its validity. Examples of the disservice of not testing evidence are the cases of Gunner and Cabillo. These two celebrated names were part of the Bringing Them Home report, which presented the two stories of Indigenous people allegedly taken against parental will, the stolen generation. The cases, when actually tested in court, fell at the first hurdle, with a wealth of documentary evidence contradicting that which had been asserted. Cases such as this then provide grist for the mill for those who would want to deny that there was any inappropriate placement of individuals by the authorities. Testing recollections, seeking evidence which is contrary or provides an alternative perspective allows us to progress to the truth, be it in issues as diverse as interpersonal relations or science. Those of us truly confident in our position should not be scared of having our view tested. If correct, it galvanises our position. If found wanting, the testing will hopefully help us modify our position. Ultimately, genuine, fearless pursuit of truth does not care for an individual's sensitivity or have regard to a person's offence threshold. Objective truth remains exactly that objective truth. No amount of deplatforming, silencing or oversensitivity can or will change the truth. We need to cherish truth and the procedures by which we can objectively arrive at the truth. Today we need a special kind of courage, not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynic, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future. Hi, this is Dave Pello, editor and founder of The Good Source. Big thanks to the Good Source supporters, people who put their hand in their pocket for 5 10 or $20 a month, some even a little bit more. There are no paywalls, no subscription fees. All of our content is completely free, and it is brought to you by Good Source supporters. If you would like to become a supporter, simply head to the website, goodsource.news, and click on the support button where you'll be able to sign up for a monthly or one-off donation. Thank you very much, and now back to the rest of your podcast.